Hello, this is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia with a message to all those that are hungry and thirsty for reality. There are many things that quench our thirst and make us insular and those that live in delusion. We become those that withdraw into our own little world in a hard little shell. God wants that shell to be broken so that we come out and we enter our destiny. And so let's not quench our thirst. Now, for those that are new, I just want to share that I do have a website at ultimatemeaning.com where there's a flip book. And in that flip book is original writing by the gifting of the Spirit of God through me that has in red print links to many amazing and profound YouTube videos showing from many fields of science and archaeology. Very profound and amazing YouTube videos, mostly. Confirming the reality of what I am sharing about. And I am sharing about the one true, eternal God, the ultimate manifestation and perfection of love. There is no love that can be imagined that is greater there that could exist that is greater than the love that I'm about to tell you about for those that are new. Briefly, this love always chooses the highest lasting good. The highest form and purest form of love always does. Any lesser choice obviously would have a measure of corruption in it. It's not just the filial love that's described in the Bible, which has feeling. It's beyond feeling. It always chooses the highest lasting good freely. In fact, it is so pure that it is a blazing fire of judgment against all that is contrary to choosing the highest lasting good. This is the, the defensive aspect of love. It is the holiness of God, or you could call it holy love. And out of that springs a love that is the ultimate manifestation of this perfection of love. And that God always has had in the infinite past as well as now, for he is beyond time. He has always had in his being not only the capacity, but the reality to have become a perfect atoning substitutionary sacrifice. Yes, and that happened in Jesus Christ on the cross. I'm not talking about some created being. I am talking about God manifest in the flesh. We only believe in one true eternal God. And for God to be Almighty, he must be in three personages to rule and reign in the three ultimate aspects of existence, which are beyond time and space and creation, as God the Father, the word Father means originator, basically, and he must also rule within the creation realm that he has created. And that is as the sun, the sun, the word sun is express, the word for expression is another word for sun. And Jesus Christ is the full expression of God the Father into the creation realm in order to communicate with us on a limited creature level and to experience and partake in fellowship with his creation. 
And so Jesus Christ is fully God, ruling and reigning in personage within the creation realm. He is Yahweh, as described in Genesis 18, where you have Abraham meeting with three men that are actually angels, and he can, I'm sure they look far more superior than a normal human being, but they were in human form, and he has a meal with them. He made a meal for them, and he addresses one of them as Yahweh, the most sacred name for God. But here we have Jesus Christ that came and was incarnated through the Virgin Mary, and he humbled himself more than you, a mere creature, and suffered more than you, a mere creature on the cross, a perfect atoning substitutionary sacrifice so that you could repent and be reconciled to God. There's no love that can be imagined that is greater than this or that could exist. This is the ultimate trustworthiness that would only be worthy to contain unlimited power in life without being corrupted by it or using it in a corrupt way, thus indicating that he is also the very source. He is the Almighty's. Only these two aspects, the aspect of God being in three personages and a love that is so totally imperfect as this could possibly be an ultimate trustworthiness worthy of unlimited power in life and thus the very source. And so I come to share with you about the one true eternal God in Jesus Christ, his Son. His full expression is one and full, only full expression into the creation realm. So I want to address the churches throughout the world and especially here in the United States and Canada in this time of great crisis. And I need not mention most people are aware of it now. Most people are aware, I'm sure by now, that most of the news media is totally lying to them. You can go to my website there that I mentioned or the other one, loverealize.com, and you will find links on the homepage to valid news sources that will make you a good watchman over your nation because they are sources that do not lie to you. And, of course, the election was stolen and the evidence is overwhelming. And, of course... There is right now a mass genocide and the people that have had two or more vaccines are dying in droves and the statistics are out from insurance companies and from whistleblowers in the U.S. Army and many sources. It's indisputable. But I'm not here to talk about that, but to make you aware of the urgency of the hour we are living in. And I want to share with you, as I started out, I want to share with you how I share these messages Word of God says in 1 Peter 4, 11, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. And so I will seek to allow the Spirit of God to speak through me. It also says in Revelations 19, 10, Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When we worship God in spirit and in truth, out of a heart, of genuine love for God and great reverence and humility, we are filled with His Spirit and an overflow beyond ourselves that can result in creative utterances that are from the Spirit of God. And we are to seek to speak as such prophetically or as, in other words, as the oracles of God. And I will seek to do that. And one of the things I do to facilitate that is I too choose two chapters by the casting of Lot before God in great reverence. And if you do it and you're not right with God, 
then it doesn't work, okay? So I want to share with you the two chapters I received today. I just spent a half an hour meditating on them, and then I speak. So I want to share what I received today. And I also do that for a worship hymn out of a hymn book of 1,080 hymns, which has great depth and meaning and beautiful tunes in most of the hymns from throughout church history and also from the underground church in China that was greatly persecuted under the work of Watchman who was martyred in 1972. So this is one of those songs I think that does come from the underground church. And it's a very beautiful song. That's what we got by the casting of Lot today. So I want to bring that song up and let us worship with this song with all our heart and love to God. Christ is my wisdom and my power, my boast and righteousness, my victory and redemption sure, my truth and holiness. Christ is my Savior, Shepherd, Lord, my Advocate above, my Counselor, my Father, God, my Brother, Friend, and Love. Christ is my Captain and my God. My teacher and my guide, my bridegroom, master and my head, in me doth he reside. Christ is my prophet, priest and king, my prophet full of sight. 
by priest that stands twixt me and God, my King that rules with might. Christ is the author of my faith, and its perfecter too. song that Christ is so much to us. He's our all and all beyond our comprehension, brothers and sisters. Oh, my eyes were filled with tears of joy as I was singing. I wasn't singing, but I was wanting you to, I didn't want to disturb the song for you, but I, I was certainly receiving fully the blessing and the worship unto God in that song. And I just want to share with you now um, what I received today from the Word of God on Monday, September the 26th of 2022. And by the way, it is now Rosh Hashanah, which is the Feast of Trumpets, which is the time of the Jewish New Year that began yesterday. And I believe it continues for a few more days. It is also a symbol of awakening, the piercing of the trumpets. And so I just want to remind people of that as well. 
but I want to share with you the two passages I received, which today is amazing by the casting of Lot. We got the same book twice, Acts 24 and Acts 15, which is very unusual when I cast lots with two independent random applications on the internet to get that. And uh, I do want to mention that I haven't been sharing a lot of podcasts as I normally do because I am finishing my book on uh, the afterlife. I will probably call it the afterlife, incredible, irrefutable. Um, And whether that's the title in the end that comes out or not, it's most likely going to be that one. It, it will be coming out very soon. I have the writing done and I am in the process of a system, a very good software system that a lot of professionals use, which only costs $65 for life. And it's uh, called um, Scrivener, very effective. And so I will be processing it very quickly, just going through checking all the grammar and everything right now. So that's the reason, but more messages will be more frequent in the future. But I want to share with you that I also received on Saturday, John 4 and 1 Samuel 29. And I want to mention what the theme was there in brief. um, As you know, John 4 is about the Lord going to uh, the woman at the well and telling her, you know, I want to give you water so you never thirst. And she certainly had a life where she was trying to quench her thirst with the temporal pleasures of this world. And as a result, had a lot of divorces and a lot of husbands and was very amazed that Christ knew this and began to recognize that. And of course, all the Samaritans came. And so Christ ministered to the Samaritans, which the Jews would not have anything to do with. But here he is ministering to them. Well, the other chapter I got there was 1 Samuel 29, where King David is with the Philistines. So you have in both of these chapters, godly people being put into a place of identity with those that others would judge are unclean, making them look like they are. What is Christ doing talking to this woman that's a Samaritan was what his own disciples were concerned about? And what is King David doing with the Philistines because he was so persecuted by the self-righteous, ungodly, self-righteous, wicked people? Yes, they all went to the house of God and they worshipped. But they also were his greatest persecutors. We know the word of God says, Yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And godliness is conformity to who God is in his love, in the integrity of his love that is his holiness, that will not tolerate what is contrary to love, and in the greatness of his love to show mercy and to show forgiveness to those that persecute him. And indeed, King David prayed for his enemies, the very ones that persecuted them. And he forgave time and time again. He had a heart of forgiveness. He mourned over the death of his son, Absalom. And such is the heart that God puts into those that are truly born of the Spirit of God. 
because they have come to know the greatness of God's mercy and forgiveness to them. And genuine rebirth always has in it the genuine fear of God, which is the right reciprocation and recognition of the love of God into our being. It is a choice to turn from our heart. It may not be intellectually grasp what is going on, but basically what is going on is that our conscience, which is in alignment with the image of God, his love, it innately knows that for there to be good, there must be judgment on what is bad. And our heart turns and we recognize that God's severity upon sin, which is the integrity of his love, is good. And that he couldn't be trusted if it wasn't, because otherwise there would be the allowance of corruption. And so, brothers and sisters, God is wanting to emphasize from the song that the focus of our relationship is this faith-love relationship, this reciprocation of faith in love. Faith works by love. It works by the genuine fear of God that reciprocates who God is, that it recognizes the severity of his judgment upon sin, the integrity of his love that must judge sin, and receives it and recognizes it in view of that, instead of becoming rebellious at all the suffering going on in our own life and that we see around us and saying, God, why would you allow this? No, rather we see the holiness of God is good and all of these consequences that God has allowed have purpose. That was the whole thing God was trying to get through to Job. And the whole issue was there was whether Job genuinely feared God or not. That's why P Peter said, I perceive that God accepts all those that fear him because the genuine fear of God involves a turning to him from the heart that receives who he is in his holiness first because it's only when you see how undone you are you can possibly receive his mercy which is his love revealed in Jesus Christ on the cross. That's where it was most strongly revealed. And he was slain before the world was created because he's beyond time. It was always in his being. He was always the ultimate perfection of love, the ultimate trustworthiness. I want to share with you what I received today from Acts 24 and Acts 15. There's a common theme between these two chapters. And it is that our relationship that is pleasing and acceptable to God is a relationship not out of performance of mere ceremonial laws, but rather of moral persuasion, which is what the word faith means in the Greek, in the original, pistis means moral persuasion in God. Moral persuasion in God out of reciprocation of God's love, out of the genuine fear of God in that order. And of course, when we really believe that God is, the next things we, we do is we recognize rightly who he is, which is the genuine fear of God that receives God, not as some dictator that requires performance, 
which is an idolatrous perception of God that Cain had. So we have the idolatrous monotheistic religion of Cain in the pre-flood world being brought down into the first city, which was Arudu. Uh, look at Dave Roll, who says he's not a Christian, but seems to confirm more and more again all of these amazing discoveries. You can watch his videos on YouTube. Roll, I think, is spelled R-H-O-L, if I remember right. But here is what I want to point out here. And of course, you can trace that monotheistic worship that started back there in that city and that went on to Nineveh, where Abraham was, which was the moon god. And you can trace the moon god to Babylon and then to that big rock around which everyone marches. And they chose one of the gods and they chose the moon god, which was called the god. And you know what the translation of that is. Okay, so... I want to share with you today from these two chapters with God is wanting to say to the body of Christ. So we read in Acts 15, 7 to 9, And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto the men and brethren, Ye know how that a good while ago God made choice among us, that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. How are our hearts purified from deception? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? It is by pistis in the Greek, meaning moral persuasion in who God is. And there's only one moral persuasion in who God is, and that is the one that is ultimately trustworthy. And there's only one quality that can be ultimately trustworthy and worthy of unlimited power and life and authority, and that is the holiness of God, which is the integrity of his love that will not tolerate sin. And out of that, the greatness of his love, that he became a perfect atoning substitutionary sacrifice for us. There is none more wonderful to know a love relationship with than the very source of love, which is the very source of reality. And by the way, the word Yahweh basically means the I am that I am reality, the ultimate reality, the source of that is this love. It is the very source of everything that happens in heaven. I know that I'm writing a book where I have a lot of genuine committed Christians that died to describe the same thing in heaven. And they all say everything that is causing the incredibly bright light and colors that don't even exist in this world and the intelligence and the plants communicate with you, even the furniture communicates with you and the trees talk to you and everything and there's just all this love and fellowship and worship and it's way beyond anything of this world. It's all coming out of love. The light, everything. The source of it is love, who is the one true eternal God, Yahweh, the Almighty's, which is the word Elohim in the Hebrew. It means the Almighty's one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
and so here. There's no difference between us and them. Their hearts are purified by this relationship with God. This is more important than whether you have an outward performance, a ceremonial performance of circumcision. Yes, God commanded the Jews in Israel as a nation to keep these various ceremonial laws. He had his reason and his purpose for allowing these things. But remember, before all of this happened, Abraham had an intimate relationship with God. Enoch had an intimate relationship with God where they didn't have all these ceremonial laws. But God instituted them for Israel as a nation. And the Jews themselves recognize, even in the time of Christ there, that the Gentiles were not required, if they weren't part of the nation of Israel, if they weren't going to join as the nation of Israel, that they did not need to keep these ceremonial laws. And even in the nation of Israel, the God continually emphasized that I'm not interested in your burnt offerings or any of this if that's what you're going to focus on as being acceptable in my sight. You see, God did not intend, even in the giving of the law, that they would fall into the trap of a monotheistic idolatry of worshiping themselves via the law. thinking that they are so pleasing to God because they perform this and this, because they've got a distorted image of God, because they're not willing to love God with all their heart and mind and being and strength, which means that you have the honesty to be transparent with God and admit that your weaknesses to him. Yes, when we have weaknesses in our lives, we want to shrink back and we don't want people to know about them or whatever. Or we don't even face them ourselves and acknowledge them. And so we go into a little shell of deception. But God calls us to be those that are totally transparent and honest with ourselves and before him. And that's why it says in Hebrews that in the time of weakness, we are to come with boldness before the throne of grace. God doesn't want us to hide our weaknesses. He wants us to boldly bring our weaknesses to him. It says we're to confess our faults to one another and pray for one another that we would be healed. God delights in those that are walking uprightly. In fact, the genuine fear of God always births a life that is upright before God, that is honest, that is transparent, not only before God, but before men. I want to go on and I'll read, read a bit more in Acts 15. No one unto God, this is starting in verse 18, are all his works from the beginning of the world. Wherefore my sentence is that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollution of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. For Moses of old time hath in every city them that preach him being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. So that was their decision. And then Acts 24 was about the same theme. And so I'll read a few verses from Acts 24, beginning in verse 5 to 6. For we have found this man a pestilent fellow, a mover of sedition among all the Jews throughout the world, 
and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes, who also had gone about to profane the temple whom we took and would have judged according to our law. Now, Paul did not profane the temple. They didn't. They just wanted to believe he profaned the temple by not checking him out. He brought a Greek into the temple, they thought, but he wasn't. And he was under a vow, and he did nothing to profane the temple. But, of course, because they wanted to believe a lie, they didn't go up to Paul and ask him, who is this person that was with him? They would have found out he wasn't a Gentile, I believe, if I remember right. And then you go on here in Acts 24, and we read this. And this is Paul talking, defending himself. Or else let these same here say, if they have found any evil doing in me, while I stood before the council, except it be for this one voice that I cried standing among them, touching the resurrection of the dead, am I called and questioned by you this day? And when Felix heard these things, having more perfect knowledge of that way, he deferred them and said, when Lysias, the chief captain, shall come, I will know the uttermost of your matter. And he often called for Paul and was expecting to receive money, but didn't. But Paul had the opportunity all the more to bring him into a place where maybe he would commit his life to the Lord. <clears throat> what reconciles the Jews and the Gentiles together is very clearly shown in Ephesians. The one new man is brought together in Jesus Christ, and particularly in his resurrection. It says that what will the receiving of the Jewish nation that is an unbelief because they have a veil upon them in the performance of their own righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, what will happen when the heart turns to the Lord? It says in 2 Corinthians 3 concerning the Jews that the veil is upon them. In the reading of the Old Testament scriptures, but whenever the heart shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. There is a time coming, brothers and sisters, when there's going to be a deep turning of the Jewish people to the Messiah that is described in Zechariah 12, where it says they shall look on me. That's referring to Yahweh, whom they have pierced. Are you turning in your heart? Is there a true circumcision happening in your heart that is an ongoing process of conversion? Break up your follow ground. It is time to get thirsty for God. It is time to repent of the things of the world that have quenched our thirst, the gods of sports and so many other things that we take for, that we think are so acceptable. Well, I wouldn't want to put you under the law and say you can't watch sports. I would be doing the same thing, getting you into performance. So no, there's... I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying, where are your priorities? Are you quenching your thirst? Or are you spending time seeking God till you break through, till you know a deep turning in your heart to him, till he becomes real in your life? 
Oh, I could talk for a long time, but I have to stop soon. I was part of the local church movement at one time. At the same time, I was going to a charismatic church. It was one of the greatest spiritual attacks I experienced in my whole life, indeed, until this time. Being going between those two and the conflict that was all involved. But that movement that came out of Watchman Nee's work, which recently has been acknowledged by the Bible Answer Man as perfectly doctrinally sound and so on, although they accused him at one time of being a cult. But what happened there was they fell into the trap of being denominative. They were trying to be the church that would take the ground of unity in each city on the earth, but there was the lack of the genuine fear of God that so they lost their individuality and began to conform one to another as a homogenous bunch of bricks. You see, God doesn't want that. He doesn't want there to be a denominative mindset in our hearts in these last days. He wants to break down that religiousness so that there can be true unity between the Gentiles and the Jews and between the denominations in these last days, brothers and sisters. We need to turn back to the genuine fear of God that reciprocates who God really is, first in his holiness and then in his great mercy to forgive us so much and continually to be patient with us in our trials until we come through and enter the rest. Thank you for listening to this message. I'm in a time of great need financially, the lowest point I've been in my life. I'm going to be consolidating my debt soon. I'm praying it works out. But you can support me by purchasing the book that's up there, God, Headship, and Body Invasion, all about what you can do in your local assembly. Do not limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting your local assembly. So the glory of God comes down and you conquer your community and your nation in these last days. Thank you for listening to this message. God bless you all. God, Headship, and Body Invasion can be purchased on Amazon.com.